0: Accountants Are Sexy is back for another season, and this season we'll see our 100th episode. I want to take a moment to thank everyone that's helped so far. If you like, listen, subscribe, watch, all of it means the world to me. This season is sponsored by Charterpath. Chartpath is a charity designed to help the financial skills gap within non-profits. I've recently joined their advisory board to help them on their mission to increase volunteering within the financial sector from only 10% to a very healthy 50%. If you want any more information on how you can be a part of this mission, then drop me a message, or leave a comment, or visit their website, charterpath.org. Now, are we ready to meet the guests? Right, hello, and welcome to Accountants of Sexy Change My Mind. Darren, it's really lovely to have you here today, so thanks for coming. Thank you um for the listeners Darren is a business consultant and he is a specialist in employee owned trusts as well and he's building something particularly special um and I think he's going to be a really valuable he's going to provide some really valuable insights as to how you can set up your business for for exit but also how you can potentially guide your clients as well so do listen in and if you've got any questions at the end we're going to hand out Darren's contact details so you can get in touch with him there too. So, Darren, that was a very loose introduction. As I did
1: yeah. promise,
0: would you like to fill in some blanks? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, Mobius Capital was set up last year with the intention of buying 100 businesses in the UK over the next 10 years. And the reason why we went down this route was because I've seen a lot of transactions happen in the past, um, and some good, some bad, and some very ugly. And what I found was the risk of business acquisitions is always on the acquirer but the seller loses out every time so when you sell your business usually what happens is somebody like me comes along and offers you a lot less than what you think it's worth um and then we take the business and we make it worth more and then we sell it on to the next person and what happens that business is then it usually gets sold to the one person you didn't want to sell it to Mm. or it gets um swallowed up by a larger company because the best way of making money is for me to buy a company from somebody who wants to sell it and then sell it to somebody who wants to buy it Mm -hmm. and then make that transaction work the the problem with that is usually the business fails and what we found is after some research is that 80 percent of sellers regret selling their business after the sale
0: Mm. and there's Um, lots
1: of reasons for that sorry
0: yeah i remember speaking to you last time and I was saying it must be really personal when you get to sell a business because it's homegrown. It's everything, you put all of your energy into it. There's been years of heartbreak and pain, all invested into this. And to see it go to someone else must be must be quite tough.
1: Yeah, and it is it is very personal because usually most business owners, especially in the SME market, never created a business ready to sell. Mm. They built a business um, for themselves as a, to get out of a job or maybe to do something a bit different and a lot of them think when they start up oh it's okay i'll just work forever and they don't see that there's ever going to be an exit because they don't plan that far ahead yeah but they've loved that business and i mean i've used the analogy that it's like a, it's another child to them yeah. and you're giving away that child to somebody you don't know don't trust for a load of money and
0: is that is that possible because i've got two <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you can, but I think it's illegal.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Unless you're talking about business, in which case, yeah, have a chat. <laughs> but it's it's strange where people will go to their accountants, they'll go to valuers, and especially the brokers, and they'll get very strange valuations for their business. I mean, mm. we, we had an example of a business that was a one-person business. It was one man, uh, and he was arranging to fit windows. He had a couple of subcontractors who were doing the actual physical window fit, and then he was running around selling windows.
0: Mm. He
1: didn't manufacture anything. All he'd done was brought them from a uh, manufacturer and then fitted them and got somebody else to fit them. So he was just a middleman. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was just a salesperson. A salesperson, salesperson, yeah. Salesperson. And that business was up for sale for £295,000. Okay. And the reason being was that he was making £90,000 a year, and he had a van.
0: Right. That
1: seems uh, simple enough. <laughs> yeah, ninety thousand times three. Yeah. You've got a van that's worth X, and therefore that's what the business is worth. But right. the problem is that for me to take that business on, I'd have to do his job, and yeah. he was working one hundred hours a week. So for that ninety thousand pounds, he was working one hundred hours a week.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's tipping it out of the balance for me.
1: Yeah and effectively i'd have to replace him by two people and each mm. person's probably going to need about 50,000 pounds worth of costs mm. so now i'm losing 10,000 pounds a year to run the business yeah and we explained to him that basically it was the same as if i came to him and offered him a job and if i offered him a job at 90,000 pounds a year but he had to work 100 hours a week to make it work and the benefit is that you have to give me 295,000 pounds to start the job mm. and he saw the The common sense and obviously the the business wasn't worth selling at that point um and we looked at how we could actually then make that business worthwhile so i've done a bit of consultancy with him and worked with him to show him that actually the way to make that business worth more was to grow it and make it into something that actually did have procedures policies and most importantly staff that done the work yeah because when you take the head off the chicken it might run around for a bit but it's going to die
0: yeah, they, they do say that, though, um, don't they? So make sure the business can operate re- without you. And it's drummed into us, but it's rarely achieved.
1: Very it's, rarely achieved. Yeah. And that's where majority of people that buy businesses make their profit, because what they do is they, they take the owner away. Mm. They use the first six months of ownership where they have the owner coming in and doing the handover to train somebody to take over the business. Mm. and that makes the business immediately more valuable. If I'm buying a business from you, and you're the only person in that business, the most I'm ever going to pay is one times EBIT, so one times your profit margin. Mm. So if you're earning £50,000 a year, I might pay £50,000 a year for that. But the only way I'm going to then make money is to get somebody else to do it for less than £50,000 a year. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And it, it, But once I've done that, I can sell that business for three times EBIT as a, just a general basic rule. Mm. So I've just doubled my money overnight. And that's where people like me make our money. You know, that's mm. where pe- buyers make their money.
0: Yeah, But there's better ways to do it. I remember when I first started my business, my, my husband used to get fed up with the, the, with the word systems, systems and processes. And everything for me was a system and process. I'd come from a sales background. Somewhere along the way that kind of got lost. And now it's just a, you know, I like to be creative. But if you're going to do anything, going to scale the business, you have to keep coming back to what can we systemize? What processes can we put in place? Again, but like it depends on your mindset and what your goal is. If you don't know you're going to sell the business at the end, will this ever become a priority? I don't I don't know.
1: It's, it, for the majority of businesses, it's never a priority. You do what you need to do to get through to the next day. And that's mm-hmm. where somebody like me comes in and we look at how to systemize your business so there's there's three stages there's processization so you process your business so what steps do we have to take and somebody has a piece of paper to say i do a b c d yeah and then you have process and from there you can start looking at systemization which is where you put in systems to replace some of the steps that people do and then finally go into automation which replaces the physical steps that people have to do by using a bot or a robot or something some way of automating it but people believe that they can step from nothing into automation
0: automation yeah so
1: it's a very difficult step because you you're jumping without knowing what you're jumping into it's literally jumping into a void of rubbish yeah and business fail with the
0: um with the tech kind of um the impact that tech has had on the on the accounting space over the past 10 15 years i would imagine that most people listening to this have gone through that 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 kind of um jumping into automation, because it sounds so fancy, and then realising that actually, it has to replicate your processes. Um, yeah. and, it, and it shouldn't, you know, it's not going to just change your life and solve every problem unless you've actually given some time to consider what the problem is in the first place. Exactly. And uh, um, I had a conversation with somebody the other day, because like, th- there are two, well, actually, there are three arms to your business, really. Yeah. with scaling and and growing um businesses to sell i had a conversation with an accountant the other day who was convinced that there is no market for selling accountant firms yet i see people asking to buy them and i see people buying uh, or no scaling their accounting firms through acquisition so wh- what's your opinions on that
1: there's always a marketplace so any businesses that are fragmented and there's lots of different, you know, small companies, there's always a risk that somebody's going to come along and create a larger group. Mm-hmm. And the benefits of having a larger group is that you, you, you save cost. You know, you don't need to have 15 telephone systems. You have one and therefore you get a cheaper deal and all this kind of stuff. But it also down to staff. You can have, manage more accounts. You can have more money coming through that, that firm
0: mm-hmm. by
1: taking on more customers without the extra cost of extra accountancies and all that kind of stuff because you don't need lots of accountants. You need lots of administration staff and you know the people doing the work. Mm. And then you need a number of accountants to cover that. And mm. you can make a lot of cost savings. And there's always going to be times when nobody wants to buy anything because they're very fearful. You know, Going into recession, people don't want to buy anything because it's like, well, do we want to grow just yet? Because we don't know where our customers are going to be. Are we going to lose... 10% of our customers because they all go out of business. Yeah. But there's always, when there's fear, there's always somebody that wants to jump in because that fear reduces the value of the businesses. And then it's whether or not, if you want to sell, do you want to sell at the price now? Or do you want to make your business worth more? Yeah. And because there's people that are fearful of the business, there's people that want to sell very quickly. So if you're in accountancy, um, now is a really good time for you to look at actually, if I'm feeling fearful today, so are all of my counterparts therefore there'll be some of them that will be so fearful they just want to leave and they want to get out and they want to hand over that the keys to let somebody else deal with their customers and just retire and go off to the Maldives and you know swim with sharks whatever they want to do
0: that sounds reasonable yeah
1: <laughs> but that means there's an opportunity for people to grow their business through yep. acquisitions and taking on other people's work mm. and grow your business which then secures your business because if you Every if there's ten percent of customers go out of business, if you lose ten percent of your your customer base, you're going to go, you're going to be in trouble. If you're working at the moment where your customer base feeds you and gives you a nice profit, and you lose ten percent, it's not just ten percent of your profit, it's ten percent of your revenue, mm. and that can have a major impact. Whereas if you then grow your business by one hundred percent and double the size of it, and you lose ten percent, mm. you're losing a bigger amount. But it's less of an impact because your staff can be protected, your role can be protected, mm. and your profit margins can be protected. Mm. So you can grow out of trouble. And this is one of the things that a lot of people make a mistake during a recession is that they they try to shrink to the size of the business. Whereas if everybody does that, there'll be no businesses. Mm. But it means that there's lots of people going out of business, lots of people wanting to get out of the business, that you can grow, take on their client base
0: yeah, and
1: grow your business agency while it's quiet because come you know four or five years everything's back out of recession everybody's wanted to buy stuff your business is going to be in a much stronger position Mm. and able to buy even more businesses but also be more valuable to somebody that wants to buy
0: yeah i think there's um it's it's a scarcity mindset that when recession hits everybody loses because they definitely don't there are winners in there you just have to be in a in a viable position to take the opportunities as you see them um, and that's the thing that, that holds people back. There might be opportunities, but they're too scared to take that to take that Exactly. Job. Um with you as I said, you've got three what I can see, three arms to the business. Um and there's one of them when we had a discussion before that has really caught my attention because I feel like the values are really aligned with what I hope for the future of the of the world. <laughs> um So you're a specialist in employee-owned trusts. Now, this has come up for me before with a different company, um, but I think you're doing it in a really different way. So could you explain this project? You said 100 companies, but what does that mean?
1: So our plan is to buy the 100 companies, as I said, and the idea is that we're going to buy different companies in different regions and in different sectors. Mm -hmm. So we have a base of 100 companies that will work collaboratively together to build each other and support each other. And it might mean that we have cost savings because of buying power of a larger group. And it might mean we can actually make cost savings by sharing resources. So if there's an extra resource in one company that they, they no longer need, they can move them over to another company. And to do that, we thought, right, we need to buy a larger number of businesses. But we also realized that running 100 businesses is completely impractical for (laughs) one person nobody nobody really unless you're an
0: octopus
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and last time i checked i've only got two arms so i'm not um but we realized actually one of the biggest problems with and but one of the biggest risks with buying businesses is the staff when you acquire a business a lot of staff especially those that are more capable are more Mm -hmm. likely to jump ship and leave the business which leaves me as a new buyer in a very precarious position because the best staff have now left
0: yeah that leaves
1: me with a bad position that i need to now replace the best staff and i've lost productivity yeah so i wanted to find a way of actually buying businesses that actually kept staff in the business and that's when i came across the eot's which is a uk government-run scheme where we create a trust and the trust will buy 74 percent of the business okay The beneficiary members of the trust are the staff. So they never pay any money towards the business. The business trust buys the business, but they receive 74% of the profits into the trust. Mm -hmm. And the trust will distribute those profits to the staff. Amazing. Which means that the staff tend not to want to leave because now they're getting involved in the business. They see it as their business. Yeah. We also then bring people on board to run the business, manage the business, but they the staff get a say in how the business is run. Mm -hmm. Which means that they they not only have a say, they get a profit and they see actually what's happening within the business because we we run a completely open book business. So I suppose
0: they buy in, they start to care about the business, they see everything that they do as a cog in the wheel as opposed to the single cog itself. Yes. So it's a different, I mean, getting up and having that ownership. I mean, I think that's why business owners turn into business owners because they want that ownership, you know, that it spurs them on. Um, But I think that must be really good for employees, especially the ones that buy into this you know there must be yeah. their motivation their mental health you know like it must have a real impact
1: it doesn't the thing is that there's always some employees that don't want to take the risk they're, they're like no i'd never buy a business so i don't want to be involved mm. but they don't have to be they still take the benefit of it mm. but they don't have to be nominated to be part of the uh, staff council for instance so members of the staff are put onto the board yeah. so the staff vote and vote in three members of staff into the board they don't have to put their their foot forward for that they don't have to take responsibility
0: they can just turn up to work do the job that they're meant to do and go home
1: yeah and receive a bonus of so much money and there's other benefits to it as well so we the bonus we pay we can actually give them up to three thousand three thousand six hundred pound per year tax-free
0: okay so the
1: staff get this benefit effectively for free and free of tax But there's also a benefit to the seller because they don't pay any capital capital gains tax either. Because it's seen as a gift to the staff. They actually get zero rated capital gains tax, Mm. which means that they sell their business for more money effectively because the government doesn't take their 20% or 10% if they take on the business asset relief um, uh, relief money. Mm. Uh, So that knocks it down to 10%, which is the old um, entrepreneur's relief. But that's limited in your lifetime to 1 million pounds. So you can only receive 1 million pounds worth of benefit from that system okay. Whereas ours you could you could sell a hundred million pound business and the 20 million pound that would go to tax is yours You keep Fantastic. all
0: of it Fantastic. so You're on your on a path to buy a hundred companies and have them all operating within this employee-owned trust and then within the group itself the yeah. um, the goal for you was to get this working harmoniously is that right yes
1: yes so everything sort of feeds each other so we we wanted to so we've got a couple of plans so we 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 want to do things like living wage for all the staff we want to do um cross training so staff are able to move between businesses but also with each other so actually working with each other to find better ways of doing things Mm. and to make you know, the world a better place. So one of the things we want to look at is our complete supply chain. So a lot of companies will look at their supply chain and they don't care where they get the stuff from and it's just a case of how much do we get it for. Mm. We want to take it to the next level. So if we're buying stuff from a, um, a developing country, so we use Bangladesh as an example. If we buy some uh, goods from Bangladesh to import into the UK, at the moment we have an issue where the people in Bangladesh don't get paid enough. Right. And their, their minimum wage is about £2.99 at the moment, mm-hmm. or £2.99. But the buyers push the price down so much that the manufacturers can't pay that price because we have the whole of their marketplace. They sell all to the UK.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: we want to turn that around. We want to make sure that the staff get a good wage and a living wage for their area. But also, we want to push the idea forward. So we actually do an employee owned trust for that business as well, and actually buy into that business and help that business be owned by staff. Okay. So, that it's self-fulfilling so about prophecy. companies
0: in Bangladesh, you want to, instantly... we want to eventually
1: go worldwide
0: Yeah.
1: because it, we think that the whole supply chain would be more benefited if we know where stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. We know that the stuff is being built in a uh, ecologically safe way. Mm. Um, we're not damaging the environment. We're not damaging people. And every night we can go to bed and sleep.
0: Yeah, you know when people say to you, "What's your big hairy audacious goal?" <laughs> um,
1: world domination. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the typical answer, but you—I think you actually mean it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's—it's it's a different way of doing business, and I think it, it's something where there's a lot of talk at the moment about making businesses more fair, more equitable. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to actually do it, because I think there's a lot of talk. My methodology will allow us to present that and actually do it. Because when you ask staff, how do you want to buy stuff? Where do you want to buy it from? Mm. Most staff will say, we want to build it ourselves. We want to keep it in-house. We want to build the company. And that's great. Let's do that. Mm. But when the, we can actually make a cost saving we can show that actually we can save money by moving stuff to a foreign country. Mm. Most companies at that point will then reduce their staff in this country. Yeah. and that's why people are reticent to do it then oh yeah okay you're going to ship off all our jobs abroad yeah
0: it gets such um, a, a bad press I mean, I mean it started with the call centers didn't it like yeah in the day as soon as and everyone just shifted all call centers there service levels dropped through the floor because training wasn't high enough you know everybody got fed up with like not being understood on the phone because there was a as it wasn't joined up it just yeah. happened because of cost that was the motivator but I think it feels like what you're saying is, there is there's a different motivator. So it probably won't be as sharp and as fast. It probably will no. be a bit more considered.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing where um, – so I'm, I'm currently – I keep saying that I'm writing a book called The 100-Year Plan. Mm. Um, but I do think it's probably going to take me 100 years to write it. <laughs> but businesses need to start thinking longer term we have a problem in society where we have a massive societal debt at the moment Mm. because people look at short-term solutions, look at the NHS, look at waters. Water's a really good option, right? The, the recent thing with sewage going into rivers was done because we could not import the chemicals required into the UK because they're all manufactured in Europe. And because of all the problems, we had difficulty importing them. So the government allowed, the companies to dump the sewage into rivers yeah. but that wasn't the whole story mm.
0: okay. the whole story
1: is that they could have actually solved the problem it would have cost about 100 million pound to fix the problem so that we didn't need these chemicals all the time and to create better systems
0: mm.
1: but the company decided not to spend the 100 million and spent 10 million pound on fines instead right the best thing is that they then gave about 100 million pound to their shareholders
0: yeah, that, that's a bit painful. It, it smarts a little, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. But who's the shareholders? Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, if you have a pension, you probably are a shareholder.
0: Yeah.
1: And therefore, it was done in your name and my name and everybody else's name because we're all asking for, you know, we want our pensions to increase because we mm. pay somebody to look after our pensions. Yeah. And their job is to make money, not to make good money. Mm and i think we need to start moving towards actually taking responsibility for the money we make for the pensions we get but also the companies need to take responsibility not just use the excuse of well shareholders want because if the shareholders want sewage in rivers then they should move into the rivers themselves
0: Mm.
1: and we need to start looking at actually long-term solutions which means doing better for everybody and if that means buying stock from abroad a more expensive rate than what they would sell it to us, then that makes more sense because at least then they're getting a better environment. And then from the UK, if we do outsource and move stuff abroad, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't then be reducing the staff. I don't believe that in the idea that we reduce costs by reducing staff. I think we should reduce costs, reduce the need for staff and then find new jobs for them to do. So a company should be growing Mm -hmm. to absorb that new, Capability. So, if you if you have a if you're manufacturing widgets, and you can find a way of manufacturing those widgets abroad, then your company in the UK should now manufacture widgets too, or you know a new version or something, so that you can then increase that company and Mm -hmm. grow the company. Because I've seen so many companies fail because they keep outsourcing and reducing costs, reducing costs, reducing costs to the point where they can no longer reduce costs, and then there's a problem. And then they cannot grow out of that problem and they just shut it down. And there's so many businesses now in a state where they are primed to be shut down because they've cut the bone. They've cut too close to the bone. There's yeah. no meat left to grow the business. And the same with accountancy firms where you see, you know, the, the accountant will reduce the number of uh, c- uh, clients they take on and they'll stop taking on clients as they get older, ready for retirement, and slowly drift their company down, yeah. ready to retire.
0: Well, they say that winding it down, don't they? That's, that's yeah. the adage, isn't it? I'm going to wind this down. Well, actually, maybe there's a better way.
1: Yeah, I'm very good at winding people up. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, But it's, if you wind that company up mm. and then decide, right, well, in three years' time I want to retire, grow it, make it bigger, make it harder, and then make it more inviting. So when somebody does buy it off you, you get more money, mm. and therefore you continue to earn more money for your retirement. Yeah. And that that is a brilliant way of then securing the money for your retirement because so many people in all sectors have their business as their retirement fund. And mm-hmm. they think, oh, you know, what, I don't invest in my uh, myself. I take money out at the moment. I buy myself a Range Rover. When I retire, the business will pay for me somehow. My kids will take it over. Somebody will take it over. I'll carry on earning money and I'll be okay. But then they realize that nobody wants to run the business for free, so they have to sell it and then they don't get as much money as they need, and then their quality of life mm. drops dramatically, And which is why 80% of people regret selling their business.
0: Yeah, yeah that's really interesting, and it's definitely something that I'm um, thinking about in my own journey. I've got no idea where I'm going to end up, if I'm honest with you, but yeah. you know, I feel like I'm at the, at the start as well, so I don't need to. <laughs> we'll get
1: there. <laughs> now's the best time to think about it, though, well, because it's... now's the time to put that plan in place.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely... It's definitely there. The thoughts are there. I just don't know where it's where I'm I just don't know where it's gonna end up. That's all. Yeah. Um, so when is a good when you say now is a good time, if you're ten years into your or ten years away from retirement, like is that a good time? If you're twenty years away from retirement, is that a good time? Or when is too late?
1: Well, for growth, it's never too late. So to grow your business, regardless when you're gonna retire, it's always good. Now is always a good time. Mm. But when you think about retirement, for most businesses, if you plan for five years, that's a perfect time. Most people will start thinking about their retirement two to three years ahead. Yeah, And the problem there is that they go and see their accountant, um, and then the accountant will do a rough valuation on their business. Then they'll go to a, um, a brokerage who will give them a strange and weird, wonderful calculation just to get their business in. And then it will sit on the market for the next three years. Mm. And that owner will not do anything, and they'll start to leave the business mentally. Hmm. And I've seen so many businesses that have been on the market for three, four, five years, and the owner just ends up shutting the business down because yeah. it can't sell. It, they haven't That's done anything to make painful. it sellable.
0: The fact that your business is on the market and nobody wants it—I think that would cripple me.
1: Do <laughs> uh, you know that I think the figures—something like one in ten don't sell, uh, only one in ten sell. Yeah,
0: the
1: majority businesses don't sell.
0: That's interesting. And that comes down to just not preparing, not making the company valuable enough.
1: It's, there's multiple factors. So one of the reasons is because brokerages will tend to overstate the valuation. And then when somebody like me comes in, we'll say, no, it's not worth that, but you've already spent half that money. So mm. if you get told you're, your business is worth a million pound, regardless of who you are, what you are, you're going to start thinking, well, if I had a million pound, this is what I'll do. Oh, I've got to pay tax. I've got to do this. I'll pay off the house. I'll pay off the mortgage. I'll buy the kids a house each. I'll buy a car and we're going away on a holiday. And before you know it, you spent the million
0: pounds.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then when you then put it on the market and then somebody like me comes along and says, actually, you know what? The reason why I can't offer you the million pound is because this, 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 and this Mm. It's depressing and it is hard. But the worst case is when I don't come to your business because it looks so bad on paper, yeah. and I'm looking and go, no, it's not even interesting to me. If you've got a small business and there's only maybe one or two of you, it's very hard to sell.
0: Mm.
1: Realistically, you're not going to sell that business unless you sell it to somebody that wants a job.
0: Yeah, somebody who wants a job or it's it's like a database type transaction. So it's a bunch of customers. Um, But that's not going to get you the megabucks.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's not. And that's, that's the biggest issue, that there isn't the money isn't in it. Yeah. Um, and then do you want to sell it? And then people get to the idea, oh, I'll just carry on. Mm. And then the board of the business, they're already mentally left. They've spent the money that they're now realizing they're not going to get. Yeah. And they're even more depressed. So the business oh. drops. that sounds awful. <laughs> it, it can be. I've, I've seen people get very, very uh, depressed. With the idea that they've basically they've done all this work, they've worked all their life, they've done loads, they've put every effort in, they've worked 80 hours a week, they've done everything they could have done, and now nobody wants it.
0: Yeah. And most of the reason is because they've left it.
1: Yeah. Especially since this is your baby. I mean, can you imagine having a child and then somebody coming along saying, nah, that's ugly? (laughs) (laughs) you're not allowed to say that out loud though but it's but people don't like to be told that their business is worthless no absolutely they put, i think know, that would hurt more <laughs> it would yeah more than your child's ugly
0: yeah <laughs> she'll grow out of it it's fine <laughs> no but I, I do i think that would be absolutely heartbreaking so i, I want to kind of because we're going to run out of time soon yeah. so i want to go over how you can specifically help people so make this really clear because there are many arms so you can come in as a consultant to help people plan for their exit so that's yes. one arm that you do you can support accountants with their clients yeah so if they have clients that want to exit and they're not quite sure how or they are looking for buyers of that of the business then that's a good time to talk to you as well yep and then also you can help accountants themselves. Um, with structuring their business so they can sell. Um, and when you do we, buy, if you buy, it goes in. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm messing this up towards the end. I was doing so well. <laughs> but it's when the only you,
1: child bit that put you off. Yeah.
0: But when you do, when you take on a business and you do buy that business, it's more than likely going to go on into this. I'm going to call it a cooperative because that's how it yeah. feels to me. So, this cooperative environment. So, Exiting for your clients, exiting for yourself or joining this cooperative environment. So it does that encapsulate everything or is there anything that you'd like to add to make well, that super clear?
1: One of the other things that we do is we try to mix everything together. So we will go into a company that's thinking about an exit mm. and we will help them grow the business. So we will then grow the business until we get to the point where we'll buy the business, which means we end up buying the business for more money than it's worth at the moment. And the best way of explaining it is most people want a million pound for their business. And if you go to a broker, they'll say it's worth a million. Realistically, it's worth 750, maybe 500,000. But as a buyer, I wanna buy 350, that's it. I might agree 500,000, but I'm gonna push you down to about 350,000 for the sale of the business. And then with tax and everything else, it, you don't get anywhere near the million pound. But if the business is worth 750 today on paper and you want to walk away with a million pound in cash, what we'll do is we'll make the business worth more than a million pound. We'll, we'll actually take it up to, I think it's about 1.3 million that it works out as the actual figure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But doing that, we'll take a percentage of the business. So we'll take 26% of the business, okay. which is our stake in the business.
0: Yeah,
1: We will then convert the business into an employer-owned trust, for the other 74%, giving you a million pound to walk away with tax-free. Fantastic. So it's a way of actually bringing all of our skills together to grow the business up, to make it worth more than it's worth today, to mm. give the owner what they want as an exit at the same time as passing that benefit onto the staff, mm. giving us the benefit of the a percentage of the business. And everybody wins. The customers win. The staff win. The owner wins. And we win. Yeah. And it has to be that Why way. You
0: can you just say that when it comes to the transaction of a business?
1: No, it's, it's not very often that people feel that they've won at the end of the sale. You yeah. know, as I said, 80% regret the sale of the business.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think that we need to change that around and make it so selling your business at the end of the day, when you get to that point of you finish with your business, is a normal thing and something that can be profitable and without hurting you, the business, or the this, this staff, because mm-hmm. if a, if a big company comes along and buys your business, which is everybody wants a strategic partner to come in and buy them out. The problem is you're being swallowed. Mm-hmm. You're not being purchased for the benefits of the business. You're being swallowed for one benefit. Yeah. There's usually one thing within the business that the larger company wants to swallow up the rest of your business. is usually jettisoned, mm-hmm. which means the staff. The processes, procedures, everything. And I've seen businesses that have been acquired for one small part of the business mm-hmm. and then the rest shut down. Yeah. Everybody else made redundant. We don't care about that because we already do it. We've already got it somewhere else. We don't need that bit of the business. What we wanted is that one client or one, you know, a step into the government contracts or something. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy just to shut down a business. Yeah. Whereas I think those businesses, if they've got that benefit, will take it with the staff. And retain it. We're not looking to create uh, like a Virgin Group where everything's called Mobius. Then we're not <laughs> going to change everything's name. Everything's going to have their own local name. Everything's going to be local. The only thing we will do is say it's part of the Mobius Capital Group, right. so we can actually say that, you know that they will know that it's part of the group.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And then we'll that must feel
0: so much better for the people who sell their business to see to see it re- remain and to stay strong and that to know their staff are looked after. And, you know, I mean, if not everything's going to go perfect, that's an impossibility. No. But it must feel a lot better than just selling it off and not knowing what's going to happen to it.
1: Yeah, well, majority of business owners I've spoken to, they've always got a member of staff that they love. And that member of staff probably started with them. Um, a lot of the time, it's actually the PA to the, the owner. Yeah. And it's the person that's, you know, she's worked there all her life. She came in as a 16-year-old because he needed somebody to do some running and all that kind of stuff. And she's worked there. Yeah. And on paper, she's the secretary. Mm-hmm. And she's earning, you know, 40, 50 grand a year. As a big business, I'm going to look at that and go, secretary? That much? I could buy a VA for that yeah i get 10 vas for that
0: yeah but the wealth of knowledge within that one person is astronomical.
1: yeah, yeah. It
0: reminds me of um uh a lady i used to work with my my old boss actually louise honeywell and she worked for north amber and she joined at a super young age she's still there today if if you need to know it she's the person to go and ask there is no other person in that business not even the people at the top that knows as much as she does
1: yeah and she, she would be invaluable as as part of an acquisition. She's the most valuable person. Yeah. But on paper, she isn't. Mm. So it's too easy for somebody coming in to miss that person. And even if the owner says, I I want to protect that person's job over anybody else's. Mm. I've seen a business with hundred employees and they said, I want to, I want to support that one person's job. And that's the only person they really care about. But they're the first person to go because on paper, they don't make any sense.
0: Mm, and
1: it's too easy for for an acquirer to get rid of that person Mm. whereas our methodology would take that person and say right you actually run the business do you want to run the business you actually want to 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 run it you want to be part of this because (laughs) we want you to take the reins we want you to take over and that will really you know boister them up and actually show them that actually everything they've done Mm. has been for a reason they've they've earned this And the the amount of hard work that that person will put in, from my point of view, and for the rest of the teams, is amazing. And it means the business can run for potentially 100 years, which is our plan. Every business should run for another 100 years.
0: It's um, a really interesting topic, but I'm going to cut it here because we could talk about this forever. um, But we are going to be doing a webinar together. Yes. Um, so by the time this goes out, I will have a link for anybody who wants to come and register for the webinar. The webinar is going to be um, probably more to do with how to structure the business, and we're going to give you some insights as to how you can uh, grow your own business, structure your own business, and also potentially advice that you can then pass down to your clients as well. So it's yeah. going to be worthwhile coming along for those two two elements. Um, I'll make sure the link's in the in the box. But before I let you go, there is, there is a question I always ask at the end of this, um, end of the show, which is, what is the sexiest thing about
1: accountants? Oh, <laughs> um, well, obviously, the easiest thing is that they usually save you money. <laughs> um, if, if if you get the right accountant, then they, they should actually be part of your business, and the amount of work the accountant can save you. If they're doing it right. I mean, there's always the accountant that is purely a number cruncher. And, you know, there's obviously bookkeepers that could do the same work for you. Mm -hmm. But when you get a true accountant, the amount of knowledge they have around finance is amazing. And, you know, I'm in finance every day. I'm looking at numbers every day. But I still go back to my finance director because she's an accountant. And Mm -hmm. and she finds things that I've never seen in my life. I'm like, I never even thought of looking there.
0: Yeah, they, they, they know their stuff and they investigate. Yes. Um, and, and I love the fact that you're inclusive as well, because although this show is called Accounts of Sexy Change by Mind, we love bookkeepers too. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so don't let that uh, – yeah, no, never think we don't. So that's all we've got time for. Um, so it's been a real pleasure. So thanks ever so much for coming on. Um, I'm going to drop your contact details into – Wherever this goes out, I'm also going to drop the link to the webinar wherever this goes out. Um, come and join us. Um, but thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We've got a ton more guests already lined up, and I can't wait to share that with you. Please also remember to check out our sponsor, Charter Path. They're bridging the gap between financial skills. And the nonprofit sector and if you're looking at growing your practice and wondering what is the next step for you or how to do that maybe you want to check out accounting pirates as well we've got a treasure chest of support there that might be able to help you get to your next level